How can leadership in your organization bring about creative ideas and renewal into your company? Leadership rooted in the gospel converts any culture to a redemptive hotspot. When the gospel is present, I think certain positive things happen. Do you believe that any and every company can be a gospel conduit of salt and light? I do. As a matter of fact, I believe every company is bound to certain bare minimums that keep them in the space of the true, the good, and the beautiful. And I think there are no exceptions. Use this segment to measure your company against the universal baselines for all organizations. So we're talking about the idea of the gospel actually going to work. Um, we spent a lot of our time talking about the gospel as it relates to me as an individual, how that looks like, et cetera. One of the premises that, that we're trying to explore is based around that story of John the Baptist when he was preaching that sermon. And at the end of his sermon, basically, the soldier raises his hand and says, great sermon, but what do all we soldiers do? And then the tax collector raises his hand and says, what do all we tax collectors do? The idea there is that I think the gospel can actually show up into organizations. Not just, and I know it comes through individuals, but it's over time, one organization that's been penetrated by the gospel versus one that hadn't actually could look different and be different. So that's what we, that's what we just want to explore that whole idea. Um, so most, most people have, you know, tr still trying to figure that out. Donnie, you've worked a while. Um, and for this particular session, I think it's going to be important that we let people know a little bit about our work, our work background. Yeah. So one of the first things, if you would do, is just kind of give us a little bit of your work sector, because again, this is organizationally framed. Do that and tell us just kind of a little bit of your journey of bringing the gospel into your sector. Okay, so I've been with the company for, gosh, going on 36 years now, started um, long time ago working with poultry farmers and then through various roles. You know, and along the way, you're always looking for a way to find, you know, a way to let your faith express itself at work. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that, that I've found and the way I kind of keep my head around that is, you know, we're a, we're a public company um, and, you know, our goods and services are food. And so how, what do we do to just let, the God, not put up any roadblocks so the gospel can just flow through what we do, right? right. So uh, what do we do to encourage our people to, to be involved in the communities they're in? Whether it's, you know, being in the Rotary Club or coaching, you know, Little League softball or whatever you might be doing, but, but you know, be involved in that and get involved in people's lives, that kind of thing. So, and hey, I can go on forever and ever about stuff we do, treating people right, you know, showing a lot of respect for people, but it's really... How, how do you just not be a roadblock so that the love of the gospel gets to flow and be a, be a part yeah, of people? Yeah, so for you, for you, the first, the first place is make, make sure I'm doing no harm. Yeah. It's kind of the, back to the yeah. medical deal. Just yeah. make sure I'm not doing anything wrong or That's in it. harm to let the flow happen. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Sarah and Adam, g just give us a snapshot of kind of the, the, the organizational world you go to work in every day because that's the space we're going to talk about the gospel. 
Well, I have been in the work world for a decade now, a little over that. And, you know, in the different places, I'm now an executive director role. Previously, I've um, worked in the nonprofit and also the business world. So it's a variety of different things that you encounter when you end up in nonprofit, ultimately. And um, there are challenging things. You know, in the nonprofit field, we have a lot of people who want to help and want to do good. And so that's awesome. And it's great to work alongside people that have um, a kingdom framework of understanding. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that's not where everyone comes from. And so um, those people who are also in the nonprofit world, it's just um, sometimes challenging as we deal with a lot of social justice issues. Mm -hmm. And where do we fall as believers on those issues? But how are we encouraging Christ to be present? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's always at the forefront, whether we're talking about um, bullying at school, whether we're talking um, about bathroom issues, whatever those might be, um, sexual gender orientation and all, I mean, the host of things that you get in the youth serving field where you're really front lines. How are we approaching those things from a gospel mindset? What does Christ call us to? And, um, and how does life and value of life still come out of that and appreciation for people and where they're at? That's awesome. Adam, how about a, how about a, how about a banking guy? <laughs> banking guy. Well, 12, I guess I just calculated, 12 years into it and uh, started as a teller. And you can even go back before that when I was shredding paper maybe in junior high in the bullet room, but we don't count those times. So <laughs> but 12 years into it and, um, you know, currently as the regional leader for First Security Bank, um, you know, it, it, there's challenges out there. But, uh, you know, fortunately, we are very much uh, in the service industry, and we also want to serve the communities mm -hmm. that we're involved in. And that's through, like you mentioned, coaching kids sports, uh, to being involved with a lot of nonprofits mm -hmm. through boards, and, and just making a difference. Um, it's, we're very much in the people business. And, uh, you know, we're in the service side. We're not producing any products. Uh, so it's it's just great to get out and serve and make a difference yeah and not just in the community but you know for our customers as well uh when you can see uh you know a small business start from something as simple as a unsecured five thousand dollar line of credit to you know evolving into employing 50 plus uh people and, and really growing to being a, a real business um you know the difference in the ripple effect of that for the communities that we live in and, and serve uh, it's very fulfilling, and, and I love what you said there, Donnie, is let's, let's don't put up any roadblocks yeah. mm -hmm. to allow the gospel to just, you know, permeate throughout the community that uh, we get to be fortunate enough to wear our first security name badges and, and walk around and, and just serve. So let's go a different direction. Let's slide over to the concept of, um, uh, of grace and truth. Mm. You know, typically grace and truth are terms that we typically uh, use on Sunday morning, we use in our Bible studies, uh, we mm -hmm. use when we're studying, you know, uh, God's character, things like that. Um, it seems like to me that those two concepts at least have a place in the whole world. Those things are not, you know, they're not like handcuffed and chained up to like the Sunday rotation from sunup to sundown on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge. I know it's, I know it's not easy. Mm. But how does truth and grace, how can it show itself up? Now, the, my premise is it won't show itself the same way in every company yeah. because it just can't. There are some nuances. I get that. 
But again, the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. it, it, could grace and truth like be everywhere at least a little bit? Donnie? Yeah. So let's just talk about how we treat people during performance issues. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we can get, you know, go to the truth part for, you know, we get the truth. You know, you're going to, you got to keep the books right. You know, you're not going to, you're going to tell the street exactly what's going on. You know, all those kind of things. But, but I think the way it manifests itself when you treat people in performance issues is a great example of how to use grace and, grace and truth for the betterment of people. Say you got somebody's not performing. Well, why? You know, it may be that you've advanced them a little bit beyond their capability, and it's just they've just got they're just struggling to get up to speed. Mm -hmm. So you know, you can go in their office and you can berate them and you know, you know, call, whatever you want to do, or you can say, have that conversation. Look, you seem to be running uphill right now. What can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. Right. That's a great attitude of grace that I want you to be successful. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not performing the best, you know, up to par now, but let me help you get there. You know, and maybe it's, you know, maybe they're going to tell you, look, I, you know, I got this spreadsheet to fill out. I don't know how to fill it out. You know, I'm spending 10 hours a week with doing something that these, you know, young people around me can do in 10 minutes. Well, okay. Thanks for letting me know. Let's give you some training on that deal, and mm -hmm. I'll give you 10, 10 hours of work back every That's week, awesome. right? That kind That's of thing. That's awesome. Uh, and, and then, you know, the, the truth part. Um, I, I, one of the things that I think Christians do that's not very loving is they fail to give honest, candid feedback, and I think the Bible would say seasoned with love. You know, sometimes we'll we'll have so so time. Out. Yeah. So you're telling me you love me more if you're going to give me honest Absolutely. feedback. Absolutely. Versus you, you love kid, me less if, if you don't yeah. give it to if me. If your kids were going to, you know, tear open the cupboard, cupboard and and get some Drano, wouldn't you stop that right away? Yeah, yeah, totally. Right? Well, we got people that, you know, they're they're great. You know, they're 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 going to go places, but they've got this little burr, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a little annoying, but you say, you know what, sharp kid. I'll be out of my department in 18 months. I'm not going to, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm not going to say anything about it. Don't take the time. Yeah. Put the energy in. And then they get a promotion. Sure enough, a year later, they're gone, getting another department. Next boss notices the same thing. It's just, you know, a little quirk, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything. A sharp kid, probably going to get promoted. Besides, I don't, you know, I don't want to open that up. It's going to take a bunch of time. They're probably going to whine yeah, about it. The downside it. of that is I yeah. end up never changing. I end up becoming, I end up the same person 20 mm -hmm. years from That's now right. as I was back here. And then mm -hmm. it's not a burr, it's a derailer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the fault is that first Christian boss okay. that didn't love you enough mm -hmm. to say, hey, I've noticed something, I need you to work on this for me. Yeah, yeah. Right? That, and and, and I, think, I think that is a real dose of truth that we as Christians, you know, we need to season it with caring. You know, we can't just run around pointing out everybody's faults all the time. But but if we've got folks in our group that, that need some candid, caring feedback, we need to give that to them. We owe it to them. We, if, if we love them like we say we do, yeah. then we owe them the truth. So, mm -hmm. okay, so Sarah, you you and Adam, how have you, would you say you've grown in your ability to dispense grace and truth as a leader? Both of you guys lead your organizations. You've got a lot of people that work under you. How and, you, and, you, and you, this is not your first. This is not your first year in work. Okay, mm -hmm. how have you grown? Like if we were just going to do like a time lapse survey of you guys. How would you say you've grown in those two areas? <laughs> Man, I would say first. You know, I think of my first job in going. I did not 
um, care as much about people. I cared more about what are we doing and are we producing what we need to produce. Gotta get it done. Man. (laughs) Gotta get it done. Um, So, you know, that is not great leadership. Also, you make a terrible supervisor (laughs) at that point. Um, And also not a good Christ follower (laughs) and living out the gospel at work in those moments. Um, And so I look at that and I look at 10 years later and working to develop employees, you know, and I th- I actually can recall one situation specifically where I had hired an employee who interviewed really well, who met all the requirements of the job. I mean, should have been a really high performer and comes in and starts working and we're just struggling to actually do the basics of our job. And so I brought him in and I sat him down and I said, hey, I just help me understand where you're coming from because I don't feel like you're actually doing some of the basic things that I asked you to do. You're just sitting at your desk all day. (laughs) First of all, what are you doing at your desk all day? But then why is that? And he said, I've never had a boss who's taken the time like this to even talk to me about these things. Normally somebody will just put me on a performance plan and they'll either move me into a different area or they'll say this was only temporary. And he's like, I I can't even believe that you're taking the time to talk to me about these things. And- So Sarah, let me interrupt. Did did that come natural to you? Like did you, or was that something that you had to learn, you had to kind of muscle yourself up to have that honest, fierce, hard conversation? Absolutely. You know, I had to muscle myself up to have that conversation because there are a few different dynamics within it. One, I'm a woman in the workplace okay. and I'm the leader of my organization and I have the one of the male employees. And so there's even that balance of, mm. you know, as women in the workforce, uh, there are alpha male personalities and I knew that that's what I was gearing up for. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, approaching that being very thoughtful about how I had prepared for that meeting, the things that I wanted to communicate and what I wanted him to walk away with. And I would say six weeks after that, it was amazing because um, he would, I saw his work productivity go up and he had emailed me multiple times going, thank you for just taking the time to talk to me. He, and he said, obviously these are flaws that I've taken with me through my work life that somebody is kind of holding the mirror up in the face going, hey, have you thought about these things? And you know, then ultimately in the end, I do this whole, um, we take our own trash out, you know, like people in the corporate world do. And I roll the trash out bins out every Monday night and I like to leave them out there Tuesday morning to see if anybody else rolls them in, you know? And uh, a few weeks after we had that conversation, he rolled the trash bins in. And I looked at that and I was like, that's a win. That's a win in my book. And um, so that was years of lots of lots of mistakes and not supervising people the right way and not bringing people along and not um, fully communicating how um, Christ and the gospel fits in those moments. And I would say that that was a better moment that I feel like was more Holy Spirit led for me and being sensitive to what God was calling me yeah, to do. Yeah, but to Donnie's point, it, you know, you, 
by you bringing the truth mm -hmm. um, with grace, mm -hmm. with love around it, but you bringing the truth was a, um, you know, it was like a gospel footprint, like mm -hmm. a gospel yeah. snapshot kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what about you? You have a few alpha Ooh. male personalities. Definitely. <laughs> and golly, um, I've kind of gone back to my first kind of performance review as a branch manager in downtown Fetville, which was uh, very much a disaster. <laughs> and uh, you know a lot of what we what we teach and I think it's it's great is you know any kind of annual performance review there should be no surprises and uh, I think if you have that daily communication mm -hmm. daily caring that yeah. hey looks like you're running uphill what can I do to help yeah. that you know you're not having to have an annual performance review to figure out that they're running uphill yeah. and, and discuss that and communicate that mm -hmm. so uh, I learned the hard way there and uh, I would say I, I still don't like um, and I'm not comfortable, you know, coaching somebody up. Um, you know, sometimes I, I get in a situation where I need to coach up somebody that's much more senior. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, that can be pretty challenging uh, for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that's because I'm pretty critical of myself. And I know I have, I have a lot of weaknesses uh, from a performance standpoint. And... It's hard for me to be critical because I can look at the mirror and go, you can be just as critical looking in the mirror. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a struggle I have mm -hmm. in, in, in my role in leadership. I'll tell you another way that both of these organizations show grace. I mean, you, you take any community event, First Security Bank's going to show up in some, whether it's you know donate money, showing up at the big grill to cook food, whatever. I mean, they're all about mm -hmm. giving. Mm -hmm. I mean, goodness I mean, you guys, I mean yeah. the the stuff they pour into kids lives with never you know just we want to help you that's what that's what we do you know we love showing up at a you know food bank and just giving food away mm -hmm. i mean those are all expressions of unmerited favor where mm -hmm. we're just doing it out of the love of our heart and yeah. and it's in a, and it's in a natural form mm -hmm. now, you almost can't help it it just sort of spews out right mm -hmm. yeah 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 as you, as you mentioned, Sarah and her role with her organization, you can't help but think about the canvas. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the canvas being these children's lives mm -hmm. that, I mean, just think about the strokes that your organization's, you know, painting on that canvas for these mm -hmm. children. Yeah. So, so we've spent some good awesome. time with friends talking about um, the, um, the organizational baseline. And our case that we're making is basically that every organization at least has a chance to do what I would call kind of create gospel hotspots. You know, a hotspot is where somebody can tap into some internet capability or whatever. The gospel hotspot is where an organization can actually tap into God's love, His extravagant love, His redemptive love, and these redemptive edges are out, they're allowed to kind of um, explode and populate the organization. It's not going to look the same thing for everybody. There'll be, there'll be differences and, and unique uh, things, but there are some things that we all can do. It just doesn't matter. We can treat people, um, as our friends have talked about, treating people like people, humans, not mm -hmm. just transactions and vehicles and instruments. Um, we can learn how to bring grace and truth mm -hmm. um, into that situation in our own way. Um, we can collaborate with other people, um, and we can create a multiple bottom line. It's more than just about the money. Um, I have to have a bottom line. I have to create a certain profitability, <laughs> otherwise I'm not creating a longevity for my, my, my employees and my stakeholders. Mm -hmm. But it's more than that. And so I've got to have a bigger idea than that. And the case is, is that it just doesn't matter. I can't exempt out. Every organization is called a people of faith working anywhere can bring those 
those moments of gospel entry into their organization.